Let's go and see the face of God today through His Word, Revelation chapter 8. That's where we're going to be. We've been walking through the book of Revelation now. I think this is maybe week 8 or 9. I don't know. I've kind of lost count. So it's a good time to sort of back up and review a little bit, okay? The same John, who's the earthly writer of this book called Revelation, is the same John who was one of Jesus' disciples. By the time God is giving him the book of Revelation, John is the, the last and final disciple that's still alive. He's living out his final season of life, it seems, on an island called Patmos. He's a prisoner there because he would not stop testifying about Jesus. And it's on Patmos where God reveals himself to John in what you and I now call the book of Revelation. The first three chapters of this book focus on Jesus communicating to his church, in particular, seven churches in, um, in the area of where modern-day Turkey is. But Jesus is speaking to his church as a whole. That includes me and you. And as he's talking to his church in Revelation uh, 2 and 3, he's affirming them. He's affirming that they have a future in him. He's applauding the things that he sees in them that is good. And he's also admonishing them for the things that he sees in their churches that are not good. And then we leave chapter 3, and John is taken in the Spirit to heaven in Revelation 4 and 5. Revelation 4 and 5 are two of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. One commentator said they're the most glory-filled chapters in all of Scripture, and that may be true. And when we get to Revelation chapter 4, John sees heaven. He sees the throne room of God. He sees this myriad of angels gathered around that throne. And there is God the Father seated on the throne. And in his right hand, he's holding a scroll, which we understand is the title deed to all of creation. Ownership and the plan to restore and redeem all of creation is wrapped up in that scroll. And that scroll is sealed with how many seals? With those seven seals. Inside that scroll is the end of brokenness. Think about that. Inside that scroll is the end of sickness. Inside that scroll is the end of strife. Inside that scroll is the end of division. Inside that scroll is no more heart attacks, no more cancer, no more COVID, no more hate, no more death, no more Satan. Inside that scroll is new heaven and new earth. And heaven is crying out in Revelation 4 and 5 for somebody to break those seven seals, to open that scroll and to bring all of that to pass. But nobody is found in all of heaven that is worthy to break those seals and to open that scroll. John sees that, and John says, I began to weep. He begins to cry like a baby until one of those elders that encircles the throne of God says to John, hey, you can stop your crying now. Look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah... He's worthy to break the seals and to open the scrolls. Then John turns, probably thinking he's about to lay eyes on a lion, but he doesn't. He turns, and what he sees is a lamb. And this lamb looks like it's already been slaughtered, but it is clearly not dead because John says that lamb is standing. And then in a stunning moment, that lamb ascends to the throne of God the Father, God the Father extends His right hand with that scroll toward this lamb. 
And that lamb extends his hand out and receives that scroll from God the Father. You see, this is not just any old lamb. This is the lamb. The Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world by the shedding of His own blood for you and me at the cross. And Jesus takes that scroll from the hand of His Father. And this amazing worship scene breaks out in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And this is where we sing, is He worthy? Is He worthy? And what a beautiful day that was at Grace Life. And then we turned the page and we got to chapter 6 of Revelation. And chapter 6 now is where Jesus begins to break each of those seven seals one at a time. And in doing so, he begins to reclaim all of creation for his own. Seal number one he broke. We called that bogus peace. Seal number two, brutal war. Seal number three, global famine. Seal number four, death. Seal number five, prayers for revenge, and seal number six, panic. And in the middle of all of the breaking of these seals, we got a glimpse into heaven of something else. John sees into heaven this altar, and, and, and it seems to be an altar where, where prayer is the centerpiece of that altar. And beneath that altar, he sees souls. He sees the souls of men and women who during those seven years of tribulation, they turned in faith to be saved. They, they put their faith in Jesus, and consequently, many of them then were murdered because of their faith in Christ. And John sees those souls under the altar. And what are they doing under that altar, by the way? Do you remember? They're praying. Specifically, they're, they're praying for revenge. And not only that, but then John also sees, you may remember from last week, he then sees a multitude of people that he says nobody could count from every tongue and tribe and nation gathered around the throne of God. And one of the elders tells John, do you know who these people are? And John says, no, but I'm banking on the fact that you do. And he says, yes, John, I do know these are people who were saved during the tribulation. Their robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. So we get this beautiful view of what's happening in heaven. So that, in a nutshell, if you missed anything in Revelation so far over these eight weeks or so, that's kind of it, wrapped up in a nutshell for us today. Now, along the way through that journey, something happened to me. I kept bumping into a theme in the book of Revelation that I did not expect to bump into. In fact, the first time I bumped into this theme, it wasn't even in my study I remember very clearly that I bumped into this theme right in the middle of my preaching. It, it wasn't on my notes. It was almost like in that moment, that theme just kind of jumped off the page at me. And I realized something that I had not realized before. The theme that I'm talking about and that I want us to talk about a little bit more today is the theme of prayer. In all my time of reading and studying the book of Revelation, I've never seen the theme of prayer surface to the top quite like I've seen that surface to the top in these days. I remember that Sunday that I saw it. I was preaching out of Revelation 4 and 5, that glorious scene where the scroll is in the right hand of the Father and Jesus takes it from His hand. In fact, I'll take you back there just so you see the moment, the place in Scripture where it hit me. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, this is where it happened. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And it wasn't in my notes, 
But in that moment when I saw that these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, it hit me. And it hit me pretty hard in a good way. He hears our prayers. He cherishes our prayers. In fact, it seems that he even collects our prayers there in the throne room of heaven. And I think it hit me especially in that moment because there was a young lady. I remember as I was reading that in that service, and I'm not sure. I think it was, I think it was maybe the 930. Maybe it was this hour. There's four of these across the weekend now, and I can't remember one from the other. But I remember as I read that, I laid eyes on a young lady in the congregation that earlier that week, Pastor Saint and I had counseled with. And I knew that because what she was going through, like me, she needed to be reminded, yes, God hears your prayers. I know you're questioning whether or not he hears. I know you're questioning whether or not he cares. I know you're questioning whether or not your prayers ever get past the ceiling of the room that you're in. But he does. He is listening. And I'm pretty sure across those four services that weekend, it was only two services that heard me go off my notes and talk about that because it wasn't ever supposed to have been a part of the sermon. And then it happened last week again. This theme of prayer just jumps out again. This time, not while I was preaching, but through the study of getting ready for that. It happened in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, you may remember this from last week. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. And we talked about this. Apparently, this is not an altar where sacrifices are made for sin. There's no need for that anymore. Jesus is the final sacrifice. Apparently, this is an altar of prayer. And John sees these souls of men and women who lost their lives in the tribulation because of their faith in Christ. They're beneath this altar and they are praying. And specifically, they're praying for vengeance. And God answers those prayers, right, when he breaks that sixth seal. We talked about that last week. So twice already in our journey through this book, our attention has been drawn to this altar. Twice already, at least, our attention has been drawn to these golden bowls and this incense, which we are told is the prayers of God's people. Now, when we stopped last week, Six of those seven seals on that scroll were broken. Today we get to this climactic moment where Jesus breaks that seventh and final remaining seal on that scroll. And when he does this, don't miss this, when he breaks that seventh and final seal, four amazing things are going to happen. And we see them clearly in our text today. Here's the first one out of Revelation chapter 8. When he breaks that final seal, heaven is hushed. Heaven is hushed. Look at the text, Revelation 8.1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Did you get that, boys and girls, on your scavenger hunt? For 30 minutes, heaven became completely quiet. Every angelic creature, think of this, every angelic creature and every blood-bought, redeemed Man and woman, boy and girl had watched as seal after seal after seal was broken on that scroll. With the breaking of each of those seals, the scroll was opened up a little bit more and a little bit more. When that final seal is broken, heaven held its breath. Completely quiet. Until now, every time God's drawn our attention into heaven... Around the throne of God, it has been loud. 
It has been rocking in praise and worship. Sounds of thunder and praise and hallelujahs. God likes it loud, I believe. But now, John says, for about 30 minutes, heaven is hushed. And here's why. Heaven knew that with the breaking of this seventh seal, they knew, heaven knew what that meant. Heaven understood that when that seventh seal was broken, it meant the end of a world in rebellion against God. It meant that the end had come for this broken and fallen world. Heaven understood that with the breaking of this seventh seal, Jesus was about to be exalted as King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Heaven knew that with the breaking of this seventh seal, that sin and Satan were about to know the full weight of Jesus' heel upon their head as he finally crushes them once and for all. And this reverent awe falls over heaven. And these creatures, these angels that had seen so much over so many years knew that they were about to see something like they had never, ever seen before. They knew they were about to see Jesus, the King of glory, mount his white stallion and ride into this world for his second coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. The power of God is about to be released on all creation. And heaven is silent. Heaven is silent because heaven realizes that Jesus is about to come back into this world to take this time by force what is rightfully His. And heaven stands in this stunned silence. And that stunned silence is only slightly interrupted when the second amazing thing happens. Number two is this. Angels are assembled. Angels are assembled. Verse 2 says... Then I saw seven angels who stand before God. In fact, it says, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And seven trumpets were given to them. I didn't want to miss that definite article of the word the. Apparently, this is a very particular group of seven angels that have been stationed before the throne of God. Psalm 104 gives us the idea that when God created everything, He created these seven angels. And from that day to this day, they have been faithfully worshiping God before His throne. But on this day, on this moment, these angels are assembled. These seven angels are assembled together to do something that across all those years, they've never ever done before. This is a new day, and this is a new moment for these seven. In this particular moment, these seven angels are each given a trumpet. That's, boys and girls, seven trumpets. I know you don't remember this. I had to think real hard for me to remember this. I started preaching a series back in January of this year. That was just six months ago, but it feels like a decade ago. I asked the last service, do y'all remember what, what series I was preaching back in January? It wasn't John. Good guess, because we spent two years there. We took a couple of months and we went through Joshua. We preached on 2020 vision. Now, if you had a vision for 2020 in January, you probably don't now. <laughs> but we had God's vision, and that's all that matters. We only follow His, not anybody else's. But you may remember from probably not my preaching, because that's been 
long forgotten over the course of everything that's happened in these six months. But from being a Bible student, you probably remember the first fortified city that the children of Israel got to when they crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land was the city of Jericho. Remember how they took that city, right? Seven days they marched around that city. Seventh day they marched around it seven times. And then with seven trumpets, the priest blew a blast, and that signified this place is about to come under new ownership. Here we get to Revelation chapter 8. Here's seven more trumpets. Now these angels aren't going to sound them all simultaneously like they did at Jericho. You're going to get trumpet one and then some things are going to happen. Trumpet two and some things are going to happen. But with the sounding of these trumpets, the same message is sent. This place is about to come under new ownership now. So heaven hushed and the angels assembled. And then number three, prayers are offered. Here's our theme again. Prayers are offered. Look at verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. All right, boys and girls, I am fresh out of golden censers. But I do have this. This is a, a communion cup, a Lord's Supper cup that I sometimes use in weddings. By the way, I, I love it when brides and grooms honor the Lord with the Lord's Supper in their wedding. I think that's pretty special. We use this sometimes for other special thing. So here's what I'm saying, boys and girls. When we read about this golden censer, this angel takes a, a censer. is kind of like a vessel, a container. This, this one that is in Revelation here is made of gold. Might have been suspended off chains. You might have held it by some chains up in the air like that and walked with it. Verse 3 says, another angel came and stood at the altar with the golden censer. And I believe this is that altar of prayer again. I believe we're right back to where John had seen the souls of those men and women who were killed because of their faith in Christ in the tribulation. I believe that's where we are. And the Bible says this angel goes to this altar with his golden censer. And it says he was given much incense. Boys and girls, that's stuff that smells good. Heaven's fragrance went into that censer that this angel was carrying. He was given much incense to offer. And that wasn't the only thing that went in this censer. Along with the, what? Prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. So there's this altar of prayer before the throne of God. And in this day, on this moment, this angel has heaven's fragrance in that censer. And then he gathers up the prayers of all the saints. Here's a good place to remind you the word all here in the Greek means all. And that's all that all means. That means your prayers in this moment. Every prayer you've ever prayed, I believe, every prayer I've ever prayed, I believe in this moment, are scooped up off the altar of God and they're placed in this golden censer along with the fragrance of heaven. Every bitter prayer, every painful prayer, every hopeful prayer that you've ever prayed in this moment, gathered up off this altar of prayer and put into this golden censer. And then this angel, with heaven's fragrance and the prayers of all the saints in this vessel, he then pours it out. After having mixed it all together, then he pours it out on the altar. Verse 4 says, And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. Don't miss this. God's ultimate purpose for the universe is about to burst onto the scene as a response to the prayers of God's people. What God is about to do now is a direct response to your prayers and to 
my prayers, God's purposes, I believe, are accelerated when God's people pray. Not only are His purposes accelerated when we pray, but I believe miracles are multiplied when God's people pray. And and I began now to see something in this book of Revelation that I've never ever seen before. There is a direct connection between your prayers and my prayers and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Those are related. The second coming of Jesus Christ is in response to the prayers of all the saints. The prayers of God's people are the catalyst that God uses to bring this broken old world to an end. The prayers of God's saints is the catalyst that God uses to usher in a new heaven and a new earth. Listen, don't miss this. From Revelation chapter 8 to the end of the book, everything that begins to happen now seems to be in response to the prayers of the saints being offered up from the altar into the very nostrils of God. God's ultimate plan for this world will come to pass because, for reasons I don't fully understand, God in His sovereignty has chosen to respond to the prayers of His people. How many times have you thought, I don't know if He's listening. How many times have you wondered, I don't know if He cares. How many times have you been in a situation and it seemed to you that the prayers just couldn't get beyond the ceiling of the room that you were in. You prayed for healing. You prayed that death wouldn't come to your spouse or your child or your grandparent, your friend. You prayed that there would be a good report. You prayed that there would be hope in the midst of the hardship. How many prayers have you prayed and to this day it seems that God did not answer? And He he has not answered. Yet. Yet. If you've ever wondered what has happened to all those prayers that I prayed, now you know. He's kept them. Every last one of them. Cherished them. Treasured them. And has held on to them for such a time as this. The seventh seal is broken. And heaven's hushed. These angels are assembled. Prayers are offered. And then as a result of those prayers being offered. Number four. Power is released. Power is released. Verse 5 says, Then the angel took the censer. Follow along, kids. It censer, and in went the fragrance of heaven, in went the prayers of all the saints. Mixed together, poured out on the altar, rose up as an aroma before God. And then the angel comes back to the altar, and now he fills up that empty censer with the fire of God. The vessel was emptied so that it could be filled with the fire of God. When vessels, and you're a vessel today, when vessels are emptied on the altar of God, they can then and only then be filled with the fire of God. 
He's searching today for those who will worship in spirit and truth. He's searching today for those who will empty themselves of themselves so that they might be filled with the holy fire of God. You know what's wrong with our world? There's not enough saints walking around filled up with the holy fire of God. They got a little candle, but they're not filled with the holy fire of God because we love ourselves too much to empty ourselves on the altar of God. You'll never be filled with the fire of God until you're emptied out of yourself before God. The censer is emptied of our prayers and that smoke and that fragrance rise up to the nostrils of God and then the angel fills that up with fire from the altar. Now with that fire from the altar of God, I want you to see what happens now. That power is released from heaven onto the earth. Look at verse 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar, and he threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. When our prayers and the fragrance of heaven were poured out as an offering, and the fire of God filled that vessel and it was cast down onto the earth, it sets off a chain reaction of these seven angels blowing their trumpets. And let me just give you an overview of what that's going to be like. Revelation 8-7 says, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Verse 8, The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel blew his trumpet. What's going on? We're announcing a change of ownership. A great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Verse 11, the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Chapter 9, verse 1, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and not find it. They'll long to die, but death will flee from them. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. That's 200 million. I heard their number, John said. Verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone. They could have repented. But after all this, they still didn't. 
Nor did they repent of their murders, their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. And we have to go all the way over to chapter 11, verse 15, to hear that seventh trumpet blast. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, don't miss this. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Change in ownership. And of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. Anybody notice a phrase missing there? Is to come's not there. Every other time it's been who was and is and is to come. There is no is to come there. You know why? Because he is no longer coming. At this point, he has come and he has come to stay. There will be no coming again. This is his coming once and for all. So don't miss what's missing there. Who is and who was. For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raised, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, both small and great. And for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Listen, I've heard people go through the book of Revelation and spend a month trying to figure out what wormwood is. Hey, listen, maybe that's... That's a big deal. But here's what the bigger deal is. Revelation chapter 8 is a call to pray. Revelation chapter 8 is calling the saints of God to have an enlarged view of why God has given us prayer through the life and death of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 8 is intended to remind us that we can boldly approach the throne of God in our time of need. Revelation 8 shows us that our prayers are used by God to usher in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this has blown my mind this week. To come to the realization that when I pray for some normal, mundane thing in my life, it is not normal to God. It is not mundane to God. But every prayer, every God-honoring prayer He keeps and He treasures and He holds on to and the prayers of God's people are going to result one day in this old broken sinful fallen world melting away and a new heaven and a new earth being ushered in not one God honoring prayer you've ever prayed has God not listened to not one God honoring prayer have you ever prayed has he not heard he's never forgotten not a single one those things that we prayed for that seems he didn't answer, he just hasn't answered yet. Because when he comes in all of his glory, every bad thing that's ever happened in this broken world will be made right. Everything. I want to close with two thoughts today. The first one is this. After seeing this this week, I walked away knowing this. We cannot pray enough. My vision of prayer just got enlarged in one week, more than it has been enlarged in all my life, put together. That these prayers that we pray in this moment stretch well beyond this moment. They stretch to the very throne room of God, and they usher in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot pray enough. 
This is why Jesus said, never stop praying and don't give up. Don't lose heart. Why would Jesus say that? Because he knows what your prayers do. He knows where they go. He knows what's going to happen. They're going to usher in his return to this world. So he says to us, don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't give up when it gets hard and you're tired and you're weary. Keep on praying. Don't lose heart because when you pray, my purposes are accelerated in this world. The second thought that I want to leave you with is this. When the people of God unite in prayer. You can pray in your closet. You can pray in your car all by yourself. But don't miss this, saints. We could spend the rest of this year going through Scripture seeing this. There is something powerful, something dynamic, like no other that happens when the people of God come together, uniting our hearts and our minds together in prayer. When we join together to pray, God's purposes accelerate. Miracles are multiplied. I believe that with all of my heart. And listen to this. I know 2020 has been a hard year on so many different levels for so many different reasons. None of us can even remember January for crying out loud. Because of so many things we've gone through and experienced. 2020 has been taxing and exhausting and tiring for so many reasons. And and all the dangers, toils and snares that we have gone through in 2020. Do you know the one thing that Grace Life, through all of that, has not gathered together to do? For six months, we've not gathered together just to pray. Now, half of that time, we're scratching our heads trying to figure out if and how we can gather together. We've not gathered together to just pray. And that changes tonight. Tonight, I'm calling you to join with me and my family at Shadow Lake. From 7.30 to 8 o'clock, we're going to be silent for half an hour, just as heaven soon will be silent for half an hour. We're going to be silent in that half hour as we watch the sun set. We're going to spend the final moments of daylight on Father's Day with our Heavenly Father. We're going to encircle the lake tonight I hope tonight we will get as close as we possibly can get to the entire church family and any other brothers and sisters in Christ that want to join with us I hope we'll get as close as we've been to a full gathering of our church family since March that we've been you need to come a little bit early bring a chair if you want to sit somewhere kneel stand I've asked our staff and their families and our deacons and their families to join me in the corner of the lake by the pier. We're going to spread out. We'll be socially distanced, and I won't lead. There's no sound system big enough to handle that. We are just going to stand, sit, kneel, bow for 30 minutes before the Lord. We are in very unique days, to say the least. They're hard days. They're heartbreaking days. They're challenging days. They're days that are all too often filled with anxiety, uncertainty, and fear. They're loud days. 
It's loud outside of us. It's loud inside of us in these days. But tonight for 30 minutes, we're going to get quiet. And we're going to be still. And we're going to know that He is God. And maybe, just maybe, we'll pour ourselves out in prayer before Him. Maybe, just maybe, He'll fill us up with His fire. Because what this world needs is to see the fire of a holy God burning in the hearts of His saints. Would you stand and let's pray? Our Father who is in heaven, there is no other name like your name. Your name alone is holy. We pray that your kingdom would come. And we pray that your will would be done on this broken earth as it's done in your perfect heaven. Would you meet every physical need today and would you forgive us our sin as we forgive those who've sinned against us? Father, don't let us be led into temptation. Deliver us from evil. The kingdom's yours, the power's yours, the glory is all yours.